to episode 311 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was recorded on Sunday, 30th of October, 2022. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. Hi there, on today's hour-long episode, we've got three of the show regulars, me, Carlton Reed, along with Donna, Tosi, and Jim Moss. Yeah, this is show number 311 of the Spokesman Roundtable podcast. The last issue of the show was a genuinely roundtable in that it was a bunch of people sitting around, uh, well, it was a table actually, and, and they were talking and, and in front of an audience of about 125 people. And that was a bunch of cyclists. If you listen to the last uh, show, it was uh, Johan Moseo, Oscar Ferrer, uh, Adam Blythe was one of them. Uh, there was a, a, a UK commentator called Matt Stevens, ex-pro cyclist called Matt Stevens. And there was also a rather famous sprinter who uh, rather grumpily said that uh, the sprint record in the Tour de France, you know, it isn't Merckx's record, it's our record. Uh, and that's because he shares the, the record number of wins with Eddie Merckx, does, does Cav. So that was on the last show because I recorded that at uh, Le Blanc, uh, an event in Ibiza. Tons of Americans there, in fact. And let's introduce some Americans on this show. And first of all, Donna. Hi there, Donna. Hi. It's good to be back. I love that we're doing these more regularly now, at least regularly for us. So no, I'm not, I'm not awesome. on a boat this time, which helps. Which helps. <laughs> which helps. Well, we don't get the beautiful time. scenery behind you. I know. Well, I haven't even got video on, so I, I can see you two. You can't see me. I'm actually in my cycling clothing, so I've just come in from a from a ride. You guys, it's quite early, so you probably haven't done anything uh, of, of note yet because it's, it's it's morning in, in the US. So don't, you're American, aren't you? I'm, I'm perfectly right in saying you are an American. I am an American, yeah. You are, yes. Good. Born and raised. <laughs> and another American, because this, this show is basically an American show. And, and I'm the, the token Brit normally. Um, uh, we haven't got David. We haven't got Tim. But we have got Jim. So hi there, Jim. Another American. You're American, aren't you, Jim? Tell me you're I American. I am definitely American. <laughs> Boy Scout the whole bit. Ooh. Can't get any more American. Ap- apple pie. Fact, you could not get more American than that, could you? Yeah. It, it, when you look up American in the dictionary, every single one of those qualifications meets me. Old, white, fat. <laughs> Born and bred, you name it. Mao, you're ticking uh, so many boxes there. Now, you're also ticking the box. Were you mountain biking last week? Is that where you went off grid? I went to uh, Moab, Utah, <gasps> and with a group of uh, 11 other friends, we rode the 120 mile White Rim Trail. Oh, that is a beautiful um, trail. Did uh, you have- yeah, I posted some pictures of it. Um, if you want to put them up there, it, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It was a little cool at night, but, um, I mean, there was snow on the LaSalle's as we're riding by, um, 
and it's just wonderful. You know, it's not difficult. I mean, it's steep, uh, several steep sections that are almost impossible to ride. Well, a lot of them are impossible to well, ride. Well, basically, today, you but, fall off the rim, I'm guessing. It was called the White Rim yeah. Trail. You fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's beautiful. It's just mm. absolutely beautiful. No phone, no fax, no nothing for for four days, three nights, and great people. So uh, if it, it's hard to get a, uh, a lottery chance to do it, but if you do, I strongly suggest uh, you take the opportunity. It's fun. Well, it's I've done I've done fun. bits of that trail, and I've certainly done lots of riding in Moab. So it's an absolutely wonderful area, truly yeah. wonderful but, area to ride. Jim, your pictures are beautiful, but you didn't have to ride in the snow, right? It's a little early for that. No, no. Okay. Um, it looks like the, the snow's on the mountains away, like a little ways away. Yeah, the LaSalle's are about uh, 10, 12, 20 miles away and 5,000 foot higher than where we were. <laughs> um, we were right on, well, we start, the first day when you drop into the canyon, you're you know 20 to 50 foot above uh, the Green River. Um, the last day, you're about 1,500 foot. The green drops and you climb. Um, so... Um, you're, we're, we're, we were not in snow. We had frost one morning, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. And Donna, what you've been doing in, in, in the two weeks that we haven't done, haven't been talking to each other, what you've been doing? Um, fall in New England is mm. beautiful. And mm. it's beautiful for bike riding. Um, although I will say, if you are in the Boston area, please be careful because they're going to start the deer hunting in the Blue Hills Reservation. So if you're riding there, watch for the dates and times and things like that, because that's where we go. And um, we got the notice about that recently. So um, be careful about that. But other than that, I mean, full foliage, beautiful in the woods. It's just gorgeous this time of year. Yes, I my my life is 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 basically picking up leaves constantly because we have lots of trees in our garden. And that that beautiful foliage is beautiful, but it also falls in the ground. And I've got to pick it up. (laughs) And it's Groundhog Day. And because you, you, you go out, you pick them all up and you look at, you know, 10 minutes later, it's like, I haven't done a single thing out there. They're all just coming down again. But when you're riding through, it's beautiful. Mm. And um, I did take a trip up to Cadillac Mountain in Acadia. And while I did not ride up it, I drove up it. I did see two cyclists that had um, had climbed it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, they're in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And for those of you who don't know, Acadia National Park um, is in Maine and on the east coast of the U.S. if you're outside the U.S. And Cadillac Mountain is the first sunrise in the U.S. So it is up there in Maine and a very high mountain. I'll have to find the the height. But um, I was quite impressed with those two gentlemen that had climbed up. Sunrise. That's 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 not because it's that high in that part of the world. So, yeah, and that far east. Hmm. Hmm. That's sweet. So there's there's two. I mean, we we put these topics on a on a sheet uh, beforehand, and um, I mean, one of the things we could talk about is is because it's the route of the Tour de France has been announced uh, this week. And there was meant to be an announcement or potentially going to be an announcement for one of the sprinters I was talking about before. So Cav was meant to be potentially uh, announcing that he might be doing this this team with uh, B&B, a, French, a second division French team. 
that hasn't happened. But Jim, you put um, a, an article up as one of the things we ought to talk about. So, so Cavendish's new team, whatever it is, has already won, and that's by Joe Lindsay on on Bicycling dot com. So, so why did you put that up? Why is why is Cav why is it so special this year? Potentially, if he rides. Well, he, he had the op- he will beat everybody else's records that have been set for for you know for decades. Um, it, it's what he's always wanted to do. He, he's smashed most of them, um, but I mean, nobody wants him. Seems like I mean, here we have the the guy that's capable of tying and then beating. Eddie Merckx um, in Tour de, Sta- Tour de France stage wins. Um, and all of a sudden, no one wants him. I mean, you know, we've always known there's personalities in cycling, right? I mean, if you get up and close to some of the pros, <laughs> you, you, yeah, <laughs> the, the laugh told it all. You quickly gather the fact that at that stage in their world, they're a little, they have ticks and whatever. Um, but, and I've always, I've never met Mr. Cavendish, but I've always wondered about anybody who, by the time they were aged, what, 30 has already written four books about themselves. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a book guy, uh, founder of the national outdoor book awards with two other friends. And, and this guy just does nothing but write books about how great he is. Um, and when he comes, I mean, and he's got a phenomenal camera personality. You would never know uh, based on his interviews and stuff. <clears throat> but at the same time, nobody wants him. He's, you know, the last five years, he's had a hard time finding a team. And he can't, he, he, he's the man, unless, unless there's something medical we don't know, or he's faded already. Who knows? See, you've got to build yeah. a team around him, haven't you? So that, that's, that's yeah. you've, got to, you've got to build a sprint team. You have to, yes, you have got to go out. I mean, he can't do it on his own. He's got to have a great lead out. He's got to have a couple people to get to the lead out position, um, you know, get his lead out to where they need to be. But he wins. If he has the team, he wins. Right. Um, and so it, so he is an expensive commodity on the on, on the circuit. Donna, you're going to say it something. It costs so much money. No, I, yes. It's time consuming, expensive. If you want Tour de France stage wins, that's how you do it. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, it's expensive and, um, and time consuming to put together a team like that. But the piece that had me gravitating to the article which, by Joe Lindsay, which he's fabulous, um, is that... If you if you're not in the tour and you want to get in the tour, you have a very good chance of getting a wild card spot, slot if you have Cav on your team. Um, sponsors like that; they want that because the tour is the you know the pinnacle. Um, but also the marketing, the marketing that you can do behind all of this is mm. just phenomenal. Um, and you know he won four stages last year. He's tied the great Eddie Merckx. Um, I love that he calls it our record. I, I really do. Some people might think that's arrogant, but I love it because it's true. 
Um, you know, and Joe writes about the drive for 35, how you could do social and, and if you bring Cab in, so, uh, you know, Jim, you were talking about how Cab loves to write about himself, um, you know, for all the social bits you could do, the film you could do, all of that bit as a marketer, I mm. would be trying my hardest mm. if I had a budget at all <laughs> to make this work somehow to sponsor a team, um, because all eyes are going to be on him, especially yes. where, you know, it's the the tour this year starts in the hills. By the way, how do we feel about it starting in Spain? Um, but it starts in the hills. And so can he get over the hills? You know, is he too old? I mean, the drama around that, mm-hmm. and all eyes are going to be on him. So pay up, people. Well, Johan Mizeo in this in this uh, this this roundtable that was on the previous podcast, and and I was sitting there listening to this. He basically says Lefebvre, so his previous team manager who didn't take him to the Tour de France last year, to, to, to basically he's an idiot. I mean, he says he loves Lefebvre, but but he absolutely disagreed with his decision for that very reason, Donna. Uh, for all of those things, it's like why wouldn't you do that? Because yes, you got the sprint victories anyway. But do you remember them? Will we remember those sprint victories in 10, 20, 30 years' time? Probably not. If Cavendish had have won, you know, his, his, his record-breaking sprints in that year's, last year's Tour de France, would we remember them in 30 years' time? Probably. If, if we still have a planet, of course. Uh, but probably we would. So, <laughs> so that was, that was uh, basically Musea was saying his mate Lefebvre was a bit of an idiot. So are, are you saying Lefebvre is a bit of an idiot there, Donna, as well? Because that, for the marketing point of view, that would have been just unbelievable for the brands. I'm not going to call anyone an idiot because, as Jim <laughs> says, there are things that we don't know. But I would say if if you are in the industry and you have got a good brand that you want some major, major focus on and awareness of, that's where to go. Has that. <laughs> so one of the things that was in the the, the, the piece is, you know, B&B uh, hasn't announced yet all sorts of uh, financial potential hurdles that they haven't cleared with the UCI yet. That might be the reason why the team hasn't been announced. Maybe it will be announced in, in the fullness of time. We don't know. But then Joe goes into saying, well, a, a good fit for, for CAV uh, would be um, Israel Premier Tech, which, again, I, is it a good fit, though? Because, you know, you'd have to then, you know, have two focuses for, for, for that team. You'd have to make it all around Cav. Um, but one of the things he says in there, and I can, this is perfect inside baseball here, uh, he says that there was a photograph of um, Cav with Rob Jutelis, of Factor, the, the founder of Factor Bikes, at this event in Ibiza. And that was the event I was at, which, which uh, was last uh, episode's um, episode. And Rob was there not to schmooze with Cav, as far as I can tell. There was loads of Americans there. There's loads of people from up from around the world there. But Rob, as far as I could see, you know, uh, was there to to just enying himself. He just he basically hang out with two Taiwanese women most of the time because because Rob is based in 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 Taiwan most of the time. So that bit there where Rob says, oh, you know, could that be, you know, uh, you know, Rob meeting with Cav to sign. I, I don't think so. That certainly wasn't the vibe I got. And I was obviously looking at Cav and I was looking at Rob uh, a lot of the time. And, and there wasn't that kind of uh, vibe. But do but uh, Jim, do you think he, he would be a good fit for, 
for Sylvan Adams' team, for the Israel I, team? I, I don't know if that team has the experience to deal with Cav to be able to put somebody, you know, up at the front three or four days in a row when those sprint opportunities pop up in the tour. Um, there's so much that we don't know about this whole situation. I mean, everyone is being Donna politically correct um, (laughs) as something that I strive for and will never achieve. But but there's got to be something wrong when all these teams are saying, no, thank you. Um, Mm. And and even though uh, that team might be able to pull it off, I... Why haven't they jumped on it? You know? He is. I mean, but, but he is old, though, Jim. So, I mean, well, yes, yes, he might win that record, but then he might not. I mean, he, there's some, loads of young sprinters, you know, literally biting at his heels. So there's no guarantee. You know, be, yes, Donna, it'd be a great story, but there's no guarantee he's going he's gonna to win anything. He's getting quite old. And, and okay, well, as someone who's a lot older than him, please stop saying <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but but, um, but I know I know what you mean for 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 this kind of thing. But even still, so here's the thing: even still, all eyes are going to be on him. If your brand is across mm. his kit, mm. you're going to get all that exposure anyway. It you know, even if he doesn't make it that's fine. If he does make it, yes, your brand will be, you know, photos forever and evermore. Even still, you're going to get a year or two worth out of this. Anyway, you're going to be the one. They're not even going to be following the yellow Jersey when it's come sprint time. They're going to be following him. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing. If, if he does tie or break any Merck's record, that he's already, he's already tied it. Jim, when he breaks any Merck's, Mm record that jersey is going to be on everything that's the only picture people are going to use from now to eternity mm. yes i mean you know the the jersey that every new <laughs> record breaker wears is the one that's on the cover of all the magazines from here on out yep if you say mark cavendish it'll have that picture none of the other wins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah good point yeah yeah. So it makes sense. But he's also quite apart from being old, Donna, very, 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 very old. He's also probably quite expensive. So it, it, it's not just a case of, oh, let's get him on. Isn't it great? And he, he's probably going to have one more win in him. Let's, let's do it. He's really, really expensive to employ. Do you know well, there is it? that. Yeah, there is that. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's it's there may have to be some sort of compromise there as well. Um, and whether he's willing to do that or not, I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is is I mean, at what point do you go, you know, ten is better than nothing, you know? Um, isn't it something we we try and teach kids about the time they're age five? That yeah, you can say that you're worth you know this million, but if someone's only offering ten, maybe that's their you know, all there is. At the end of the day, though, I'm, I'm saying he's expensive. It's not expensive to Sylvan Adams. Sylvan Adams is a billionaire. If Sylvan Adams wanted to, to, you know, splurge the cash on Cav, he absolutely could and, and wouldn't even notice it. Because so, it's only, in effect, let's face it, because he's so old, Donna, it is only one year. This is basically a one-year wonder for, for Mark. This is not going to be, 
you know, you've got to employ him for the next five years, he's going to be on a very short contract. Yes. Um, but I do have to go back to something that Joe said at the end of the article. Um, and I almost thought that Tim Jackson wrote the piece <laughs> is if someone doesn't sign him, it shows why we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, um, I, I just think that, yes, if he finds the right team and will take what's offered and it has to be reasonable, um, nobody's asking him to take something that's not reasonable, um, mm-hmm. that they should do a deal and, mm-hmm. and make it happen because he wants the record. You know, there's, there's that too. You have to be, like you said, here's what they're offering. If you can negotiate a little bit and get closer to what you want and then you get that record, I mean, that's, that's speaking engagements forever and a day. That's invitations to all kinds of events and things forever and a day. You can get appearance fees for that. Um, you know, he will make that up. Mm. He is a driven individual he really is laser focused on that on that task and on on winning i mean yeah clearly lots of people at that that level are are into winning but he is just that it 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 upsets him if he if he doesn't he's like he's viscerally it really really upsets him so you know what what the 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 piece uh, uh, also talks about is the two calves the happy calf and the grumpy calf and you don't want the grumpy calf and i've been up close to both and i i can agree the grumpy calf is is quite a character and and even in the in the the audio that you can listen to from from um from this round table it it, it comes across you don't have to see the visuals of him being very testy when you know certain points are are, are put to him and very very dogmatic it's it's probably that's why he's won so many victories because he is that laser focused but is that healthy well that goes back to jim's comment of we've seen personalities Mm -hmm. come on there's a certain texan that might not have always been Mm -hmm. happy Mm -hmm. i was litigating i did 50 some trials and I lost seven of them. I cannot tell you anything about the 46 I won. Mm -hmm. I still have nightmares about the seven I lost. Mm -hmm. I still wake up going, what if I would have done this? Um, I mean, you don't, you don't hire a litigator who's not competitive as sin. I mean, Mm. you don't hire somebody just to maybe, maybe get lucky, you know, uh, you don't hire a cycle racer, a bicycle racer to, to be nice. come close, <laughs> right? Hey, mm. you're getting, that was good. You came within like, oh, 40 people winning, uh, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, uh, and yeah, if, if he's going to win stages of the Tour de France, he's got to be the most unbelievably intense, mm. focused, driven person in the world. You and mentioned how the, you control that. So Donna, you you, you 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 kind of brought up a, a, a Armstrong there, basically, as as somebody who had that potential um, character. Can we say flaws? Character flaws, um, and and it does seem to afflict quite a few professional cyclists because you 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 put another link in there, which is another story that bubbled up uh, last week, 
and that's there's actually another link to the, to this uh, LeBlanc uh, thing. But anyway, so so tell me why why you put in the bit about uh, Cipollini, Mario Cipollini, and whether he actually ever goes to prison, we don't know. But he's certainly been sentenced to three years in prison. So wh- why is that story, Donna? I did not put that one in there. I just saw that right now and i threw that in i do apologize i'm no no i i was just trying to read it quickly here i i loved him when he raced and Mm. now i'm a little horrified um Mm. that he has um his ex-wife brought charges against him um and her new partner brought charges against him um for domestic violence um domestic violence that, that actually happened in public um, so, a seri- know, quote, yeah, a series of acts damaging the physical and mental integrity of his ex-wife with punches, mm. slaps, kicks, and injuries, and death threats, and he held a gun to her head. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 he deserves everything he's going to get, is my opinion there. Um, they're not sure if he will actually receive... This, prison this time or this house is arrest. It, is Italy. So, yeah, it, it, it takes about 50 years to get to, to trial... Uh, even when you're you're then subsequently potentially put, you know, given as print, doesn't mean you're going to serve it. It, it it's Italy, um, but a bit of background. He was one of the uh, so Johan Museo, um, uh, Bradley Wiggins was another one was meant to be on this this Abitha ride and 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 Cav of course, and uh, when Bradley Wiggins pulled out again for prima donnaish reasons. We can we can we can perhaps gather. Um, I have really? some ins- I have some inside information on that. But anyway, uh, uh, potentially prima donna ish reasons when when he, he came out, and people you know were, were paid big money to to come at an event where Bradley Wiggins and Cav was going to be. So the weird thing was that one of the substitute riders they put in. Well, Johan Uzair was a late one, um, and Oscar Ferreira, ex world champion, three times world champion. He was a he was a surprise one. But one of the ones that they they, they put in there as a wild card was Mario Cipollini. And I my head was in my hands thinking, what are they thinking? That's that's crackers. And as it happens, the, the court case and the, the, you know, being sentenced to three years in jail uh, came about two or three days before he was then going to come across. And then they, they, they disinvited him. But this has been well known. The, you know, this this case has has been bubbling up for, for bubbling along for many years. It's been it's, a lot of it was in public, and you know, none of the, this wasn't domestic violence behind you know closed doors. This was domestic violence in in in, in public. Um, so to invite him always seemed to be um, well unwise. Should we say so? So, Jim, would you have invited Mario Cipollini? I know Donna said she loved him, and we all loved him back in the day. But we've now, you know, you know, heard a different side to him. So, would you have been excited to be at an event with Mario Cipollini? Well, let me let me explain why I put that up there this way. Hmm. He actually showed up at one of the inner bikes in Vegas many years ago. And I was standing there outside the booth, but looking at the line of things that his company was selling. And several of my friends who were female walked by. They all stopped. Their breathing got heavy. <laughs> I looked at them and went, what's going on? And, and they just looked at me like, are you an idiot? And they turned and looked at him and did not want to walk away. Mm. 
First of all, I was deeply hurt that they never looked at me that way. <laughs> um, I'm still hurt for the fact that I've never had any woman look at me that way. And, and I mean, seriously, I got comments like, oh, yeah, I, if he, you know, he could have my booth, you know, type of stuff from, from, I mean, everybody was just in awe of him and the women were just starstruck. So I'm still available. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> to all those women who never looked at me that way. I've never been charged with domestic violence, and never mm-hmm. will be. So, mm. well, it's- I mean, I mean, he's a face. He's known. Women obviously know him who have any contact with the outdoor industry or with the cycling industry. But as we talked about her in the earlier part of the podcast, is with every personality there comes good and bad, and who knows what you're going to get. And obviously, with this one, we got another mess. What's going to happen to the, his company? Well, I just, I, you know, it's one thing to be, you know, a good looking guy who's very talented, who may be a womanizer, which I think we all knew. I don't think that shocks anyone. That's more of like a moral type of whatever. And if that's the way he lives his life, fine. This is completely different. I mean, he was right. stalking her and he put a gun to her head in yeah. no realm of reality is any of that. Okay. And he should be put in jail. And he shouldn't have house arrest. And Jim is, am I going to go to jail for this? But I think that that he absolutely should be put in jail as they have, have um, deemed and should pay all the fine, even more of the fine. And um, that'd be that. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. He should go to jail. No questions asked. Bye-bye. You're gone. So we, we, we mustn't do, you know, famously, you mustn't do psychoanalysis of people who, you know, aren't in, in the, the psychoanalyst's chair. However, I think it's fair well, to ask. I think it's fair to ask. You, 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 Cab is driven. That famous Texan is driven. Um, Cipollini was clearly driven. Is there something about being driven that potentially gives you not just a grumpy persona but potentially something that's much 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 more dark and potentially even evil so is there something about that personality type you think that maybe you should avoid these people no 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 because i'm sorry jim but i'm going to jump in here i know a lot of professional athletes um not necessarily in cycling although i do do know one in professional cycling but um who are driven competitors. Um, but at the end of the day, when they're off the, you know, they're not road racing or they're not wheelchair racing or they're not whatever they're doing, they are the nicest people. Yeah. So, you know, um, Tatiana McFadden, 20 time Paralympic champion, you know, has won every race around the world that she's ever been in, not ever been in. She's, doesn't win all the time, but she's won all, 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 you know, all the major marathons, all of that. The nicest person on the planet. Same thing with, um, you know, one of the best runners right now, um, Ben Flanagan. He is the fiercest competitor when he's on the roads. When you meet him in person, nicest guy I think I've ever met. So I don't think it's a, it's, it's something that because you're driven and you're, you know, you're at the top of your game that you have to be okay, not nice words, if I was going to say, but this is a family show, um, <laughs> you can be still be a very nice person. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my soapbox. Jim? Yeah, I, I, I think it's whether or not you want to take that 
competitive personality off the course, off the track, off the, the, the field and use it, wear it all the time. Um, that I, you know, after a trial, I'd go home and sleep for a day or two and I'd be nauseous and sick. And then I'd get up and I'd be back to being me. <clears throat> a competitive cyclist doesn't have that opportunity. They got about 15 minutes, but you can learn to put it under control even after the 15 minutes is over and keep it under control. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that probably that's one of the things that a lot of team owners are looking for nowadays is um, since media is as big, if not bigger than the actual racing nowadays. Um, yeah. You got to look for somebody who may even look good, you know, wearing a yellow Jersey. Uh, do they have the right complexion? I don't know. Um, but do they have the right personality to make me not embarrassed to have given them a big contract with a big check? So it's not just about winning then it's about winning and being nice at the same time it's more than any yeah it's it's everything nowadays we our world is so fast nowadays you know when when i first started practicing law i used a courier service right i courier documents to the other side of town fedex came around i was in absolute heaven you know i could get stuff there then fax came around i'm telling my age aren't i <laughs> and 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 now things are emailed uh, people expect Clients expect contracts to be done in days, not you know weeks. Mm. Um, and and the same thing happens in every world. You win the race, and all of a sudden, everybody in the world knows it. No matter what time of day, uh, there've been a hundred photographs of you taken um, crossing the finish line, video of you crossing the finish line, and you are that day's topic for 24 hours and gone. I mean, I, I think, remember we used to just find out who the winner of the Tour de France was. We didn't know who the winner of the stages was until we finally got a, a email uh, or an article in a magazine. Hmm. Right. You know? Well, and I also think Jim, to your point about, you know, there's so much going on you can get information so quickly. Um, and we all know that the media is very good at sensationalizing things. So I think that the, those with the personalities that aren't always great, that's newsworthy, right? So you don't hear about the Tour de France winners um, who are nice, you know, for years, you know, Cipollini, obviously, because he's in the news now, because he's done something horrible. Um, Cav, maybe because he's got this personality and he's at the top of his game. But do you hear about some of the other guys that, you know, are really sweet and nice and winning stages and all of that? Nope, because it's not newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the, the lead out man for Cav. Uh, how many times has that person gotten interviewed? And yet without him, Cav never even would have come close. And in, in a lot of cases, the lead out man worked harder. Right. You know, to achieve that goal because he had to fight through people. He had to to maintain a speed. He had to have a burst of speed. He had to get out of the way. All Cav has to do is follow somebody and then throw that those legs into gear, and he goes. And that's I'm not saying that that's not as as or or more important. I'm just saying that you know the lead out man who is you know as responsible for the win as anybody. Uh, do we know any of their names? 
Mm. You know, were they ever actually written about other than to fill space in a magazine? Well, you certainly know Cipollini's name, and we know Cavendish's name, and we know Armstrong's name. Oh, they you said all, it. But yes. they all were people who figured out a way to use their names after the race ended. Right? Larger than life. Yeah. They said, I can make more money by doing this and this and this. I can use my name as a way to open doors and get paid to do it. Um, and all three of them have. Like I mm. said, who else has written three or four books about themselves by the time they reached age 30? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just find that amazing. I just, you know, how many people do you know have three autobiographies? <laughs> And mm-hmm. in history, find anybody who's had three autobiographies in history. I don't know of anybody. Mm. Mm. Well, on that note, we're going to cut for a break there. And our esteemed colleague, who isn't with us today, but is on, um, on record with us, uh, will take us into an ad break. Hey, everyone. This is David from the Fredcast and the Spokesman. And I'm here once again to tell you about our amazing sponsor, Turn Bicycles at www.turnbicycles.com. T-E-R-N bicycles.com. Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. Speaking of of being able to ride every day, as a spokesman listener, I'm going to bet that you are the go-to consultant for your friends who want to ride but aren't enthusiasts and need some advice on what to buy. In that case, you may have people in your life for whom you just haven't been able to recommend just the right bike, considering their stature, age, mobility issues, or just plain hesitance to get back on a bike. Finally, those family members and friends can experience a new bike day with the all-new turn NBD. Get it? New bike day NBD. Okay, the NBD has been specifically designed to be confidently easy to handle and easy to ride, even well, even for those folks who might be, as Josh Hahn, team captain of Turn Bicycles says, are smaller in size and have a hard time finding a bike that fits, or older riders who might not have ridden a bike in a while, or riders who might have balance or physical issues, or riders who are just intimidated by the sheer size and weight of the average e-bike. As Josh goes on to say, the NBD will be refreshingly easy to hop aboard and ride. Now, how can Josh be so confident in that? Well, it's simple. The NBD has the lowest, longest step-through opening of any premium e-bike. So if you know someone with a knee or a hip injury or, or somebody who just can't lift their leg over the top tube of a regular bike, this alone could make all the difference. Plus, the NBD is designed with an ultra-low center of gravity and a longer wheelbase. And what does that mean? Well, it means that it makes it easy to balance and handle. And with a lowered bottom bracket and motor, the NBD is stable for all riders. It particularly inspires confidence for shorter cyclists because they can easily get their feet on the ground when they come to a stop. But the MBD isn't just for shorter riders. As a matter of fact, it adjusts in seconds, without tools, by the way, to fit riders from 4 foot 10 to 6 foot 3 or 147 to 190 centimeters. The NBD is also super comfortable with its upright riding position, swept handlebars, suspension seat post, and wide 20-inch balloon tires. 
Need to load the NBD into a car? No problem. It folds flat in seconds. How about getting it into a smaller living space? No sweat. The NBD includes Turn's vertical parking feature so you can roll the bike into a small elevator and park it in a corner of your apartment. Now, with a max gross vehicle weight of 140 kilos, that's 308 pounds, the NBD can easily carry an extra passenger and plenty of cargo. With up to 27 kilos on the rear rack and up to 20 kilos on the front rack. And in fact, it works with a wide range of turn accessories and with most child seats. As I've said before, and this is important to me, really important, safety is a core value at turn. And that's why the NBD frame and fork have been rigorously tested by one of Europe's leading bike test labs. That's also why Turn chooses to use the Bosch motor and battery system. It's one of the few systems on the market that meets and passes the UL standard for battery and electronics safety. Read the news and you know how important that is. Now the NBD comes in two models with prices starting at $3,899 or €3,999 and bikes are going to start arriving in stores in Q1 of 2023. For more information about the NBD or any of Turn's wide range of bikes, just head on over to TurnBicycles.com. Again, T-E-R-N Bicycles.com. We thank Turn for their sponsorship of the Spokesman Podcast, and we thank you for your support of Turn. Once again, thanks for allowing me this brief introduction, everybody. And now let's get back to Carlton and the Spokesman. And thanks, David. And we are back with Donna and we're back with Jim. And we're kind of chewing personality types and, and, and Tour de France. And, and Donna absolutely uh, totally steamrolled my, my, my question in, in saying, no, the, the, you don't have to be a horrible person to be the best at, at, at sport. So uh, Cipollini's uh, now um, n- known about... Um, criminal conviction because uh, that was about two weeks ago uh, does not mean that uh, other people who, who do similar things uh, at, at that level of sport are going to be doing similar things so yeah yeah Donnery yeah, you're absolutely uh, uh, correct to, to state that and there are plenty of, of examples of very very nice I mean Pogacar for instance it seems to be a, you know a, a, an all-round beautiful person and yet can can absolutely wipe the floor with every single rider of around it, it, it would seem yes you can be nice and be driven and win and be competitive and all of that and still live a personal life that isn't shameful and talking about driven individuals this is not really cycling at all but but jim did raise it and it is a a core celebrity of the moment and that is uh, uh, we're talking about difficult personality types here uh, elon <laughs> musk uh, who has now t- taken over twitter so again, it's not not a cycling topic <laughs> uh but it is a topic that uh tons of cyclists are on twitter so i think jim where jim was going here was you know will the changes that that may or may not happen with with twitter now might that you know make people including cyclists who cycling Twitter, if you want to put it that way, uh, uh, go somewhere else. But Jim, is there anywhere else? Well, not re- there's nothing quite like that. Mastodon, um, Truth Social, 
These are all tiny or or already, you know, spoiled goods. So we're we're basically Um, just stuck with Twitter, aren't we? Yeah, but but I think what what you'll find is so when when Facebook soured, uh, I still post uh, five or six times, well, 40 times a week to Facebook. I haven't been to Facebook other than for a class reunion information in years. Mm -hmm. I use a service. It goes Mm -hmm. out and posts, Mm -hmm. you know, and those few people who are still there see it. And I I use the same service to post on LinkedIn and Twitter and all those other places. And so the issue is, is are we going to have those discussions still or are we going to just be another place where information's up and running until something new pops up? Mm. Donna, you, you've been around the houses. I'm not, I'm not saying you're ancient here at all, but you've been around the houses with, with the social media. So you, you, that has been in your job title, uh, social media manager. So w- where do you see the, the Musk thing going? Is it good or bad? I'm on the fence. Um, and yes, thank you for pointing that out. I am older than Mark Cavendish. Um, but... Um, not by much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're now my officially my favorite spokesperson. Um, but I don't know. I think there is, we're going to have to wait and see a little bit to see if all of his posturing actually comes to fruition. Um, if the format changes too much, you know, we know he went in and he cleaned house. He fired the CEO. He fired the CFO. He fired a couple of other people. Um, which you could probably assume he would do since they were the ones that made him sort of held him to his offer mm-hmm. and made him buy it. Um, but, you know, he made a lot of grand gestures and now he, nothing's really happening. Granted, it's only been a couple of days, but it'll be interesting to see if he actually had a plan out, you know, for when these people were fired, or <laughs> they plan to buy it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or they, or he flounders. Um, it will be interesting to see who the next CEO is, who he puts in place there. Um, yeah, I don't e- think E Musk. I think. Is, yeah, uh, maybe, but uh, I don't think people will flood off right away. You know, I hmm. haven't seen people that are. You know, my my feed is still jam packed full. There's a lot going on, especially in the U.S. with the midterm elections. Mm. Um, there's a lot of news that's still on there. People are still, you know, posting as much as they ever did. I think this is a wait and see game for right kind now. Not his. I mean, people assume that it's his toy and that it's his money. It's not all his money. Um, there no. are an awful lot of Larry Page is one of the investors. There's other investors. The second biggest ownership group. Uh, that that still owns the majority of shares, or seen it still owns shares in in the group, uh, in Twitter is, is the Saudi, the the, the Saudi um, investment fund. So he, he can't muck around too much. You know, it's not his personal fiefdom. There's still <laughs> other other entities there that can can hopefully rein him in and put you know genuinely good things in place, despite as as what you were saying, his posturing. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and we'll see how much they take control of him, if that's even possible. Um, yeah. I think that's go- it's going to be quite interesting, that's for sure. It's going to be a, a, a Sunday afternoon game that we want to sit at the sidelines and see who wins and who loses. Although we may never know if there's a winner or loser, because all of that will go behind the scenes. Um, 
Like, but you, you, you have know. got to like remember, you know, or you're not remembering. In fact, MySpace. There are lots of oh, yeah. stories of social media platforms that are sorry. What space? <laughs> yeah. So you know, potentially he could he, he or other people involved could 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 muck this up but as there's nowhere really to go so myspace you did have other somewhere else to go now you haven't really got anywhere else to go have you the, the, these are the sites are just that they're, they're non-starters well so here's the thing though you don't know what's in the pipeline somewhere so mm -hmm. there's always people creating new things when myspace came out whoever thought that there would be something called twitter right or um you know or this you know snapchat that wasn't around when Twitter was around, you know, mm -hmm. and then TikTok. And so not saying that they're taking over for a Twitter, but what else is out there? You know, what else is in somebody's head that is the next, the next great thing? We don't know. So mm -hmm. um, there's evolution, there's new creative, I don't, who knows what might come next. And if it comes soon, and they muck up Twitter so much, they may lose yeah. a lot of people um, because I know they're going to try and monetize it even more. So, yeah. uh, you know. They have to, to pay the <laughs> debt for what they paid for it. Yeah, he, he has billion. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, clearly. Right, so to, to end today then, uh, I, I, again, we need to put on the, the show notes who's posted this, but I'm assuming it's Jim here because uh, it's in your neck of the woods, Jim. So tell us about this story on a Denver e-bike rebate, snapped up really fast, and then potentially, and this is never a proven, uh, but potentially then reducing car trips. So tell us about that story, Jim. It's it's sort of an amazing story that, that did not get any pre- publicity, even in the Denver area, all of a sudden it just sort of appeared that if you lived in the city and county in Denver, you could get up to $1,200 or $1,400 uh, credit uh, or, or a refund from mm. the city and county of Denver for buying an e-bike. Any an e-bike e or is it any e-bike? E that could be a mountain bike, so it does not be a commuter, right? It could be just a really beefy mountain bike. It could be any e-bike, okay. mm. and and so and and you so you went to a, a, a bicycle store in Denver and you bought an e-bike and you got a twelve to fourteen hundred dollar credit for it. Uh, some of it, uh, uh, lower income people got a little bit more credit, I believe, the second time around. Anyway, after twenty days, the money was gone, and mm. Denver thought, "Wow, this is pretty neat. That's interesting." And they did it again a second time a couple months later, and the money was gone in like 19 minutes or something. It was just incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the everyone jumped on. You had to go online, sign mm -hmm. up for it, and, and do that type of stuff. But people loved it. And, and by the end of the summer, the number of e-bikes you could see going on the bike paths, going mm -hmm. everywhere – had probably was in some cases tenfold what I'd seen years before. I, I mean, you know, I'm the cyclist that since I can't go super fast, I look at things. I know who, what water bottles people were carrying, and I know what bikes people are riding because, you know, when they pass me, I have plenty of time to look. So, <laughs> uh, On your um, e-bike, though, Jim. Uh, no, I'm still I still pedal. Um, so did well, you I mean, not I go still, for I, that that rebate then? No, I don't live in the city or county of Denver. Uh, uh, I've exactly. thought about moving, mm. um, but I, I live on a, in a suburb, so uh, uh, well, it really literally had to be in the city. 
You had to be in the city. Uh-huh. And they're bringing it back again for 2023. They're going to have the program again. Um, I have not been downtown to find out, to see. Uh, but since you can put your bikes on our rapid transit and you could put your, our bikes on our bus system, um, I, I want to see. I, I, yeah, who knows if it will work. So I'm sure hope- Denver is monitoring it. I mean, the hope. I mean, this is this is uh, this is city cash, yeah. This is this is yes taxpayers' cash. So presumably they're doing this not out of the goodness of their hearts, but to, to reduce reduce car trips. You're right. They they want that this current mayor is working hard to increase cycling. He is a cyclist. Um, um, so there are some things that have gotten past him, like there's no place to get water in our Denver city parks anymore. They pulled him out to stop the homeless from drinking. Um, but there, you know, the, the number of bike trails, the number of bike paths, the number of places in downtown Denver that has a very distinctive, clear, safe, uh, bike lane is quadrupled at least. Mm. And so riding your bike to work downtown is actually not a uh, death defying act. Um, and so that's the thing is, is, is it increasing? And I'm sure, I'm sure Denver is monitoring this. They have a big cycling department in the rec department. Because you could just um, be g- so, giving money to people who are going to get electric mountain bikes, put that on the back of their car, and go to the hills and and just carry on driving as much. I mean, you got to shouldn't you be directing this to say electric cargo bikes, which you know isn't recreational? And and maybe they will next time around. I don't think they expected it to explode the way they did. Mm. So, question two: Are they uh, because this is money from the city of Denver, right? Not from the state itself. So, you know, you were saying you live in a suburb to me, at least here in the Boston area, it's not the people in downtown Boston that would need, um, you know, ways to get to work. There's bus, there's subway, whatever. It's the people who are coming in from the suburbs Mm -hmm. that you would want to be able to ride in to stop that congestion. So I'm wondering if in the future that mayor may work with people, you know, other mayors or town councils or selectmen or whoever's running, you know, your towns to work with them to maybe give some subsidy, but to, to Carlin's point that you would have to sign up for and prove like I go from my house in whatever suburb you're in, Jim, to my office in Denver at this address um, to at least give a little bit of credence to, yes, they're going to buy an e-bike that is maybe going to be used to go commute, not go mountain bike. Um, because that's where your your congestion comes from. I think the most of it is probably people who are coming into the city, not people that already live there. But you need to remember, and that you're right, you're 100% right, Donna, but you need to remember that Denver is a big, wide, open city, meaning if, to go from one end of Denver to the other end of Denver and not leave Denver can be 50 miles. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? So okay. you start at the airport, which is the northeast corner, and you come down to where Denver is just a couple blocks from me, literally, and that's 50 miles. You know, it's it's 30 some as the crow flies. Um, and going the other direction, uh, southeast to northwest is probably a good 30 miles. So you can live in Denver and still have a very long commute. Um, 
So let me think. On the bike path that I ride the most, I go, this is five, six, seven, it's 26 miles, 13. It is nine miles from the edge of Denver to downtown Denver on, on one bike path that I ride. And this is, this is the South Platte Trail. It's a separated bike path. It's beautiful. Underpasses on the cross streets. You don't have to stop for traffic lights. Uh, the only time you have to stop is if there's a football game on Sunday. Um, you know, so, so that's just Cherry Creek. That would be, wow, that could be 15 miles. Cherry Creek bike path by the, to downtown Denver. So maybe 15 miles is at the upper level of what even people on electric bikes are going to yeah. uh, commute to. Yeah, okay. But if you have yeah. the bike paths, and, and, and this is where a lot of cities that try this maybe fall down, uh, you know, yes, they can have the rebates. And these, these tend to be incredibly popular everywhere in the world where the, these things are done. But if you don't have the infrastructure, it, well, what's the point anyway? So, but it sounds like Denver's got it dialed in and that you've got the bike paths. Uh, you have these massive distances, it sounds, and certainly, you know, a, a 15 mile commute is, is now p- potential. So this should, Jim, this should do well. Yeah. As I'm in hoping. reducing car trips. I mean, yeah. And, and that's the thing. One of the bigger, you know, I don't, I do not drive to downtown Denver. I take light rail. It is as much a parking nightmare. If I have a, I have a 10 o'clock in the morning appointment in Denver, I plan to be there at 9.30 so I can find a place to park. Does this and not suggest that you will not use light rail? And y- y- The potential there isn't that it reduces car trips. It reduces light rail trips. Well, it might, but I only use light rail now just because I don't want to spend a half hour trying to park and light rail is only 10 minutes longer. Um, and if I had an e-bike, I might ride to light rail and then mm. ride once I got off. I'm trying to think how many hills. I got two hills. Um, well, see here in Denver, remember that altitude gain and loss is measured in 500 foot increments, not in 50 foot increments. Mm-hmm. Um, my 10 perfect for e-bikes and yeah, uh, right. It's perfect. Mm. Um, man, there were several times last week I was wishing I had an e-bike, mm. <laughs> but you know, I mean, when you have a thousand foot to climb. On just a ten mile route, and a thousand foot is in three different segments. Uh, that's a lot of altitude gain. So e bikes help. Donna, have um, you noticed anywhere in, or have you noticed in Boston any huge uptake of of, of e bikes? You, you see more on the trails, more on the roads. I live on a main road in a suburb, and I notice them. Yes, there is an uptick. I'm not in Boston proper that often, so um, so I'm not sure about that. But mm. yes, there's definitely um, out in the suburbs anyway. Yes. Mm. And our show sponsor, we, we, we've got to say here, is an absolute fiend on on this topic. In that every city I go to around the world, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not just. Um, plugging turn here for for no reason there's a turn gsd and it's it's a car killer so if if uh, these these car killing electric bikes are the bikes that are being uh, bought in in denver gym and it's not the recreational mountain bikes then it really ought to have a a, a very very good effect yeah our our infrastructure is getting great uh, we're still lacking on places to safely keep your bikes, but more and mm. more employers are saying you can bring them into the office. 
Because um, that, that's a... an expensive bike to get nicked, isn't it? We're, we're talking five thousand yeah. and dollars above. That's 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 tasty for a thief. That's lock right. it every time, even with, when with what would they lock it with, Donna? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might think about a kryptonite lock, um, but also lock it when you're inside. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, I I quickly revert back to my kryptonite days, but um, even when you're inside, lock it because Mm -hmm. you're right. That is, that is quite, quite a prize, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. On that note, uh, in that uh, Donna's very good advice to, to lock your bike uh, even indoors. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap there for today. Uh, thank you ever so much for being on the, the, the round table, uh, the virtual round table. So Donna, where can people find out about, uh, the, the, the current non-kryptonite Donna? Post-kryptonite <laughs> um, Donna. Oh, I always bleed green. It's okay. Um, it's in my blood forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Donna Tosi. You can also find me on Twitter at Donna Tosi. Still on Twitter. That's good. I'm still on Twitter for this time. You don't know the the next time we get together if I will say that. But um, for right now, yes. Cool. Okay. And Jim, same question. Still on Twitter. Uh, I know. On Twitter, I am on Recreation Law. One word. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can go to Recreation-Law and find my website. If you go to Bicycle Retailer and Industry News, I just wrote an article for them. I'm quite proud of. Um, it'll confuse everybody in the world because nobody will understand it um, or you can email recreation.law at gmail.com or just google recreation law you'll find me brilliant thank you and I'm Carlton Reed on Twitter uh, I think I'm hanging around on Twitter because I'm one of these journalist types uh, and, 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 and we're the definite people who will, will stick to Twitter long after other people have maybe disappeared <laughs> onto the other other social sites. We'll, we'll still be hanging in there. So thank you for listening to uh, show 311 of the Spokesman Roundtable podcast. Uh, and as always, get out there and ride.